0: Welcome to A Word of Grace, a local assembly in the Berkshires. Thank you for joining us for this time in the Word. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant or without knowledge or unknowing, uh, that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and were baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all did eat the same spiritual meat, and all did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, or that went with them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our types, our examples, to the intent we should not lust, after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be you idolaters as some of them were, as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell on one day 23,000. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur you, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happen unto them for types or for examples, and they are written for our admonition, admonition upon whom the end of the age, or should be age, they are not world, and the end of the age are come. And as we've said before so many times that the Lord will teach us as his church that The things that we have in Christ. Through everything that Israel went through, we see that they were in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years. They were in bondage. And then God, in one night, led them out because he rose up Moses. He raised him up. And Moses was a type of Christ to deliver, who would lead the Israelites out of bondage. And so he led them out, just like Christ has led us out. And in the meantime, here we are in this world system, and the world system is in type, the wilderness. So when we read Exodus and the book of Numbers 2, the book of Numbers is progress in conflict, in and through the wilderness. Yes, there's conflict. Yes, there's murmuring. There was murmuring from the people. And, but still there was progress because of that rock that was Christ that followed them. And he was with them all through it. Every single thing that they went through. Then again they were, they were saved, which was, we've said before in Exodus 12 verse 13, it's called the Passover, the blood sprinkled on the two side posts and the lentil. That, Exodus 12 verse 13, with Exodus the 14th chapter, where we have 13 and 14 up to chapter 14 we have the passage of the Red Sea so a combination of the Passover and the Red Sea was Christ dying for them and then he was leading them through the wilderness like Christ who is in the heavens right now having finished the work he is leading us through This wilderness, this world system. We're in it in John 17, verse 14 and 16, but we are not of it. So he is leading them through. And so what happened then was as he he was leading them through, we see in Numbers, the 16th chapter, we see that they were murmuring, just like they were in Exodus, the seventeenth chapter, after he already delivered them from bondage, saved them, delivered them up, after four hundred years of being in bondage in slavery. And that's a picture of how Christ has redeemed us, bought us back through Christ, and He leads us through this world's system, this worldly uh, wilderness. That in the midst of leading them. After doing all of that, and what a miracle, what a miracle, the the Red Sea, uh, the uh, Passover, and then the Red Sea opening up right through. He leads leads them right through to the Red Sea. Just like he's done with us and he'll lead us through. And then sometimes we come up against a Red Sea and there's no way out. There's a Red Sea, and then there's a mountain ranges on both sides. And then behind us is Pharaoh and his army, hot on our trail. And we don't see any way out. And the people, they murmured. They murmured. They, they had fear, they had unbelief, they murmured. And then what did God do? Well, Moses, who was the type of Christ, used his rod, which speaks of the authority that, he, that God had given him. And the seed that was the impossibility, was his, with his authority, it was opened up. And then they could walk on dry ground and that spoke of salvation by pure grace, right in the midst of their murmuring, he opened up a way. And just like he does with us. They were in the wilderness again, in Exodus the 17th chapter, They began to cry out because in their journey through the wilderness, they were crying out because they had thirst. They had a need and they couldn't meet it. And then in their unbelief and in their doubt and in their irritation and reaction, they again murmur. And what does God do? He has Moses, who is again a type of Christ. He has him take his rod and strike the rock. Remember we just read in 2 Corinthians 10.4, that rock was Christ. And so that is a picture. When Moses was to do that, he was to take his rod and in Exodus, the 17th chapter and the 6th verse, Behold, God said to him, I will stand before you there upon the rock in Horeb and there will come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa or Mirabah because of the chiding the murmuring the complaining of the children of Israel and because they tempted the law the lord saying is the lord among us or not he already led them out the passover then he led them to the red sea and opened it up and after all these miracles and every single thing that he did for them then they're in the wilderness And like so many of us we are in this wilderness, we're on our way to our Canaan, our heaven, to see him face to face. But going through, he's with us all the way through, all the way through. And then we have a thirst or we meet some kind of a difficulty or it seems to be an impossibility. And then what does he say? Well, water is going to come out. I'm going to supply you. In Exodus 17, verse 6. This is a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. He hung on Calvary and he was struck once by God the Father. For himself, God to be propiti- propitiated, and for the for all of us to be reconciled to him. He was to do it once. And out of it came water. Remember when the soldier took the spear? They found that Jesus was already crucified and they didn't break his legs because the sacrifice and type, the lamb or the sacrifice, none of the bones were to be broken. They didn't break his legs because he was dead already, but one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced his side. And out of it, it says, came blood and water. The blood speaks of, of again, Christ dying for us. He redeemed us. He brought us back. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We're not our own. He bought us with a price. And so then then there came out water. And how how many times we need the cleansing of water to be restored to fellowship as brought out in John 13. Jesus brought it out in John 13 in those verses 1 through 15. And how he washes us with the water of the word in Ephesians 5, verse 26. And so this is what He was uh, showing very, very clearly through these types in the Old Testament. And so, the water comes out because they were complaining. They said, Is the Lord among us or not? Sometimes we get in circumstances and situations. Maybe we are hungering and thirsting for something. We have a need. Uh, we think of ourselves or someone else and it seems hopeless and it seems like there's no way out and then doubt comes in and we begin to question him is the lord among us or not you mean the one that was your passover the one who through christ and his sacrifice his shed blood his spiritual death on the cross in type in Exodus 12, verse 13, and in the Red Sea. After all of that, is he still among you? Is he still going to see you through? Is he still going to see us through? And then in verse 8 of Exodus 17, it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim." Rephidim the place of refreshing, the place of having our need met. As soon as the need is met, who comes? It's Amalek, and that's a type of the flesh. God meets us. He's done all these things. And how quickly we can forget God, and the flesh can come in, and then we question, is the Lord among us? And so Moses said unto Joshua, and Joshua was another type of Christ, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Why? Because who was the battle? Remember what he told them in Exodus 14, 14? In verse 13 of Exodus 14, you're to stand still. And in standing still, you will see the salvation of the Lord, the, the way that he has delivered you. Why? Because in 14, the Lord will fight you. And so Joshua, a type of Christ, he will go out and fight with Amalek. Should we get in a battle with our flesh? No. We're to turn away from it. In Hebrews 12 2, we're to look away from all that would distract unto Jesus. And so, what is he teaching? What is he, at this church age, and we are, and this is why the Bible makes it very clear and speaks of dispensational truth as much as someone and so many others go against that today, and that's the huge bent today. Is not to differentiate between God's earthly people, Israel, and us as his heavenly people. Their Messiah, yes, their Savior, their Messiah, just, just as much as a Savior for us, but there is earthly people were his heavenly people, his church, his bride, his body. not to get into a battle with it because the battle is the wards. Why not to get into it? We're to turn away from it. Why? Because it's already been defeated. And so he fought with Amalek. Go out tomorrow and fight and I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said, said unto him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Ur went up to the top of the hill and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel pre- prevailed. What is that a, a picture of? We just hold up our hand ready to receive. We need to hold, just receive. Why? Because Christ has done it. He's finished the work. So we hold up our hand. And when we do, in a place of grace to receive, We prevail, just like Israel would. And when he let down his hand, uh, when we let down the hand that receives from God, Amalek prevails. Every time. When we get away from God, when we forget God, our hand goes down. Luke 18, 1, men should always pray, if not faint. Always. Always trust go to him and to go to him in the right way is to go to him in prayer trusting with absolute faith and dependence on him because the whole thing that he was teaching Israel and the whole thing that he teaches us in this dispensation that we are in this dispensation is the church age it's the age of grace and what is he teaching us down here in this wilderness experience in the world system what is he teaching us absolutely Salute dependence upon him for everything. You know, the natural man in us does not want to depend, especially on God. It's why there's so many isms and so much philosophy and so much false teaching. Three steps, four steps, 12 steps. If you have enough faith, God will do this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In Proverbs 3, 5. And then you will not lean unto your amalek, your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him with absolute dependence. And you know what? He'll direct your paths. The way he did with Israel. He directed them to go in to the shelter where the blood was applied. And the death angel, death didn't touch them. They couldn't be separated from God. They couldn't be separated from life because they were in the place where God them. They were in Christ in type. And the death angel passed over. Because he that dies once, in Romans 6 verse 9, dies no more. And we are dead, in Colossians 3 verse 3, and our life is hid. We're sheltered, like Israel in type was. Our life is hid in Christ with God. We're hidden ones. We died, and our life is hid with Christ and God. So, but Moses' hands were heavy. You know, he was their their leader, but he couldn't do it all by himself. No, not even him. Not even with everything that God gave him. He couldn't do it himself. And what did they do? They were smart. They took a stone. And of course, in type... In Psalm 118, verse 22, and in Isaiah 28, verse 16, Jesus Christ is the stone. Do you remember what he said to Peter? He said, Peter, he asked him in, in Matthew 16, verse 15, he asked all the disciples, who do men say that I am? And then, of course, Peter, he could pipe up in two ways, the right way and in the wrong way, just like us at times. He can have that foot and mouth disease or he can confess Christ. But he said, you are, the, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said this to him. He said, listen to me, Peter, listen to me. And like he wants to say to us this morning, listen to me. If you know anything about God, if you know anything about Christ, in the Holy Spirit, the word of God, flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you but my Father in heaven. And he revealed himself through Christ. He said this, and he said that I, and upon this foundation, I, notice what he said, I will build my church. Listen, no man, no prophet, no apostle, no pastor ever built anything. No Christian ever did it. Christ did it. That's right. He did it. In Psalm 127, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. So they took a stone and put it unto him. That's the best thing we can do for each other. When we see another, their hands are starting to come down. Their hands are getting low because they're getting weak. And we know what it's like to be weak. Paul did. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, When I'm weak, I'm strong. He always had, had Titus and he had Timothy to help put a stone under him, to get him back under Christ. Notice what it says. They took a stone and put it under him sad. And that's what we can be for others. We can be a place of rest. When we trust God, just like our sin affects more than us, first and foremost it's against God who we forget. (laughs) Then the sin is against us and it'll affect others. But just like when I am in a right relationship with God through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm constantly receiving Because God is constantly giving. And when I function in that, I can put a stone under them. And Aaron and Ur stayed up his hands. The one on the one side, the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomforted Amalek. Yeah, Joshua, the type of Christ, he discomforted Amalek. All we have to do is, like Moses, sit on Jesus Christ, because he's defeated all of our enemies. That's why David could say in Psalm 56, verse 9, I will cry when I cry out out unto the Lord. Then will my enemies turn back. I don't get into a battle with my enemies, with fear, or how someone thinks about me, or failures or the failures of others, or my own struggles, or the struggles of others. I don't make the struggles of others mine. I know right where to bring them, just where I should bring mine. And what happens? Joshua discomforted Amalek and his people. And look at what they did it with. With the edge of the sword. Yeah. When we get in spiritual battles and in type, when, again, when we read the book of Ephesians the anti-type Christ who raised us up and brought us into our promised land we read the book of Joshua in type and in Ephesians 6 verse 18 in spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 10 through 18 what do we do we take up in those verses we take up the sword of the spirit what's the sword do Jesus is the Word of God. We know that in John 1, verse 1. But then in Hebrews 4, 12, the Word of God, who is Christ, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder and apart from soul and spirit, flesh from who we are in Christ. He comes in and divides it. He's doing a work in us. He can only do a work in us because he's the only one that accomplished it for us. Yes, and God's for us. He was for the people, even when they murmured. He's for them. And then the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and rehearse it in the years of Joshua because when I go, he's going to be leading you. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Oh yes. Jesus said in John 6.63, it is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that quickens, or in other words, gives life. He's the life. The flesh profits nothing. But the words that I speak, the Spirit in their life. And Paul said in Romans 7:18, I know in me that is in my flesh dwells no good saying God won't have a thing to do with it because it's defeated, it's dead, it's over and then Moses built an altar and when he built the altar he called the name of it Jehovah Nissi or Yahweh Nissi the Lord my banner what does that mean? the banner for us is Jesus Christ he said in John 4 verse 34, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. The banner is that God was doing it in him. Christ, the Father in him. and John 5 verse 17 and in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. The banner is Song of Solomon 2 verse 4. He brought me to his banqueting house. Where I'm supposed to... I can just feast on him and rest. Because he's done it all. He not only finished it all, but he's prepared a meal for us. A place of intimate fellowship. And his banner over me is love. That's his banner. Isaiah 59, 19. Not if, but when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The standard is is Jesus Christ. It's finished. He's our banner. God the Father has placed a banner over us and that banner is Christ and it is love has finished the work. And so Moses built an altar. For he said in verse 16 of Exodus 17, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord has sworn, Because the hand of Amalek is against the Lord, the throne of the Lord. Therefore, the hand of the throne of the Lord will be against him. Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And then we see as we close here that God had to show them so much in their wilderness experience. So when we read, Again, a great book to read and type and understand what Christ is. For us in this dispensation is the book of Numbers. With Exodus, Exodus and the book of Numbers. There's a lot of truth in it. But even in Exodus 18, verse 11, it says, Now I know. We can only know it in absolute dependence. But he said, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. And any other thing in our life that's outside of Christ is in competition with Christ, and it's an idol. Now I know. Now I know. And Jesus said in John 8, verse 31, If you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples, my mythetes, you'll be my disciplined thinkers, and you will know, you'll experience the truth. And in that experience, the truth will set you free. And so he said, now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods, for in the thing wherein they doubt proudly, he was above them. He was above them, still for them. Not for their pride, not for the amalek in them, but who they were in Christ. And then he said to Moses, Moses and Exodus 18, 18. You will surely wear away. Both you. And this people that is with you. For this thing. Is too heavy for you. To bring us through. Listen. It's too heavy for us. It's even too heavy for Moses. His leader. It's too heavy for him. He can't do it. It's too heavy. For this thing is too heavy. For you. For you are not able to perform it yourself alone. Oh boy. Do you think that we need each other in our wilderness walk on our way to see Christ, our promises? Remember it's the promised land that Israel was being led to. And for us, it's Second Corinthians one twenty, all the promises of God in Him are yes and Amen. Settled. And we're on our way. But we're not able to perform it ourselves. We need one another. We need to be a joint that supplies. In Ephesians 4, verse 16, he said now in verse 19 of Exodus 18, hearken now unto my voice. What do we need to do? We need to listen to his voice and depend upon him. And he said, he said for I will give you counsel. That's right. I'll give you counsel, and God will be with you. Be you for the people to Godward. So he was telling Moses as a leader: listen, you need to listen to me, Moses, to my voice, and I'm going to give you counsel for you. And God will be with you. And he's saying to us, Listen, we need to hear him, we need to hear his voice. Because in his voice is, and in his word is the counsel that we need. It's all in Christ. And God will be with you. Be you for the people to God. In other words, in the way that I've been for you, in the way that I've come through for you, in the way that I've given you counsel and been with you, now you be that to them. You go and you be that and you lead them to me. I didn't give you what I gave you to lead people to you. What I gave you was for you, for them to be led to me. That you may bring, he said, the causes unto God. That's what we're to bring him to. Bring him to him. And we can bring it to him. We can come to the throne in Hebrews four fifteen and 16 because we have this high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, because he was tested like us, yet without a sin nature. But he felt everything that we went through. But he felt it in total dependence upon his Father. He had humanity like you and I, but no sin nature. Never was even remotely ever tempted to sin. But yet he knew what hunger and thirst and pain and sorrow was. But he never operated outside of dependence upon his Father. That's who we have. That's who's for us. In Psalm 56, verse 9, we said in Romans 8, verse 31. So as we wrap this up, so that you and I can bring them cause. We can bring the causes where they belong unto God. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burden upon the Lord. What, What is our cause? And he'll sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5.7 Cast all your anxiety upon him for he cares for you. He cares for you because you have an enemy. Satan is as a lion roaring about, walking about seeking whom he may rip to pieces and slaughter. He has to bring us to a place. He has to bring us as his people, this right now, us in this dispensation of grace, the church age. He has to, he's given us Romans chapter 3. Justification. Romans chapter 4. Freely. Chapter 5. He's the much more of the grace of God. And how greater his grace is than sin. And then in 6, we're to submit ourselves. And accept the fact that we're already dead. And we are taught these truths. But we're still going through the wilderness. And then we end in Romans 7. All the things that I know I should do, I don't do, and I want to do them, but I can't do them. And every time that I would do good, evil's present with me. Every time I try to perform in myself, to do the good thing that I know that I should do, evil's present with me. And all it can lead to in the wilderness experiences, finally. Oh, wretched man that I am. We couldn't even say that if he wasn't with us. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who's going to help me to perform? No. Who will deliver me? Who will save me? Who will get me out of this trying, this self-help, this self-hope? Who's going to get me out of it? Oh, I thank God through Jesus Christ. And then that opens up. No condemnation. Romans 8.1. And it ends with no separation, and we're victorious. And there's so much more. Maybe we'll continue on this, because there's so much more. So Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for everything that you've given us, and every single thing about our life. Having, you having already done everything for us, is to teach us to depend upon you and what you've done. That's what the great lesson is. Keep Amalek away. Keep us away from Amalek. And thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening in. We hope you were blessed and God was glorified. Feel free to go to our website at awordofgrace.org for daily posts and teachings.